Hey there. I want to call attention to my video work. If you are curious to watch Let's Plays of Horror Games, consider going to twitch.tv slash duckvtv to watch me stream live on weekend nights, or go to youtube.com slash duckvtv to check out the archives. Uh, yeah, that's just, that's it. So go. Well, listen to this first and then, and then go. Or listen and then pause and then go. You, you know, I'll, I'll let you decide how to live your life. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross and I'm your host and today I'm joined by Evan Thorne. Hey, how's it going? It's going just great. Welcome to uh, the Wolves of the Callous season, Evan. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm very excited to be here. I forgot how fucking weird <laughs> the last three books in this series get, and uh, it gets there right away. Yes, it does. That little uh, that little six year break in between uh, yeah. in, in between them definitely uh, definitely re racked things. I um. I, I was listening to the 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 most recent episode on the first part of this section, and um, I'm I, I don't even know how I'm going to address anything that happens without just like repeating what Autumn already said, right? <laughs> because it's so strange, and uh, I, I pretty much just can't get over the description of the the Kamala as river dance to the yin yang twins uh-huh um it is it is a very good description that's pretty much just going to be informing my entire mindset uh for the next like 45 minutes or an hour yeah and then like, I, I think the idea police are here to make sure that it happens they're going to hold you to it yeah, you're getting those sirens outside <laughs> yeah. the window. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cinema verite, my friend. Uh, we're 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 we're, we're, keep, we're we're keeping it in. Yeah. Oh. Um. So uh, I put this question to to, to to everybody, and I think I've asked you on previous seasons as well. What's your uh, What's your past experience with Wolves of the Cala? Um. I like. I pretty much just mainlined the entire series as soon as I discovered it. Right. And, uh, you know, like, fortunately, my, my dad had almost all the books and I was able to just like kind of kind of power through them in paperback form. And uh, so I, I read this immediately after um, Wizard and Glass. Mm -hmm. And it's different. It's <laughs> it, it, it's it certainly is. You know, I always uh, I don't know if this happens. I don't know if this happens with you or how many times you've revisited it. Um, I definitely always approach book five bracing like to like to, to either to dislike it or to like, um, man, maybe this will be the time where I start looking at this through the eyes of people who really kind of like talk shit about the back, the back three books. But like, I'm still like, really, I'm still really into this one in particular. I remember when I was reading it, uh, it wasn't what I expected. I wasn't always sure what was going on a lot of the time, uh, but I, I liked it the first time I read it and I still like it. And I, honestly, I don't remember Song of Susanna because it's so short and I always felt like it 
it should have just kind of been part of Wolves of the Kala. Yeah, the Song of Susanna is just like a little bridge more than anything. Like they could have, yeah, they, they could have like, just taken that, busted it in half, and then just like put one part at the end of Wolves and the other part at the beginning of Dark Tower. Yeah, like I I know what happens in that book, but I don't remember what happens in. Like I I don't remember what the bounds of the books are. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, the 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 shorthand is if there's something that you if there's something in the series that you remember taking place in our world after um after the you know the for the first part of um oh gosh the wastelands you know when Jake is back in New York um then it came from uh book six i think that book six is like it, it kind of suffers for being the all right let's take a well, well, let's take a bit of a uh detour into keystone earth right yeah pretty much yeah um but i think that you know and, and i'm just gonna we'll, we'll test this hypothesis when we get there but i think that a lot of the bad reputation that the back the back part of the series gets is not necessarily because of this book or even because of book seven, accepting the end, which I understand is, which I understand and understand is polarizing for reasons that I understand. That was a hell of a sentence. Um, it, I, th yeah. I think that I think that book six is really like the uh, is really like the, the like the weak point around which the back trilogy will uh, will collapse if it will collapse for you. Yeah, I I don't know I I, I have I have a lot of very conflicting feelings about the last three books in the series and um i like none of it is enough to make me feel like i don't like the books or mm -hmm. the series or any of that yeah but it's it's very very strange and um i i don't know the the only thing that i genuinely have a hard time with is stephen king inserting himself as a like focal point character because yeah. uh there's just i don't think that there is a good way to do that right right um it starts to uh i mean it like literally gets into the and and so that that might be considered a spoiler but i think that is such an infamous thing about about the series that if you go into dark tower you understand that that's going to happen like, yeah, and it's 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 not a spoiler if you listen to the previous episode of Radio Free Midworld. So, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am inconsistently sensitive about those things, but yeah, it's definitely a move that uh, that, that immediately uh, shunts you a bit into fan fiction territory. Um, you know, to to, to doing the self insert, etc. Yeah, um, and, and he and, kind of he kind of excuses that in some of the forewords. Like he talks about how he feels like he's just kind of a like conduit for these stories and yeah i but, I, I i can yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it and address it more in more detail later i've got i've got thoughts about it but um i think that it might distract from what we're here to talk about which is the second part of book two in book five uh telling tales um are, are are you cool with with me segueing into the body of the episode? I, oh, did, sure. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to step in and uh, and and take your point away from you if you had one, um, or if there was one you're 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 gonna you're champing at the bit to get out. No, and no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I, I just you know it's the first four books 
and I guess went through the keyhole. So the first five <laughs> uh, are are great. They're yeah. they're just unequivocally great. I love them. I I have absolutely no hesitation in recommending them to everybody. The last three books are challenging for reasons that are very difficult to explain succinctly. <laughs> yeah, for fans of the genre, to use the uh, to use the um, video game review cliche, right? Yep. Uh, that, that definitely, definitely fits here. <laughs> yep. So last time, uh, we, uh, sat around and we listened to Donald Callahan, the old, the, the old man, I think is what they call him. Old father, Pear Callahan, um, kind of give his, uh, history of what happened after he, uh, left Salem's lot, um, at the end of the book called Salem's Lot, how he uh, went to New York and started working at a, uh, at a at a shelter and dealt with his alcoholism and then ultimately uh, discovered that he is surrounded by goddamn vampires uh, still and again and forevermore. Uh, and so he took to the highways in hiding after losing someone dear to him, kind of uh, going in and out of different Todash versions of the United States before working his way back uh, along with that story. We also confirmed that yes, indeed Callahan has the dreaded black 13, that most terrible of the bends of the rainbow uh, beneath his church. And it is one of the many, many forces that are uh, making this otherwise idyllic stay in what sounds like a very nice place. Um, far more fraught than uh, I think our gunslingers would hope it would be. So we begin this section with the humorously titled The Tale of Grey Dick. Uh, we have 23 days until the wolves come, and Roland is uh, at the rocking bee with the Eisenharts to inspect some weapons. Like, I know, like, like Roland, he's, he's inspecting some, uh, some weapons that Eisenhart inherited from... I can't it's, remember who it was like, he, it was, it was kind of funny. It was like, it was, it was like my dad and his dad and then his dad going back. And then he counted out like seven fingers, like just, just that, like that many uh, generations of his family, these guns came down and he is just brokenhearted uh, that uh, Roland looks at them and says, yeah, these things would probably hurt whoever shot, whoever shoots them more than they would hurt whatever you pointed them at. Yeah. They're, there are these these guns that he's incredibly proud of, and it's like being really, really proud of. Uh... I was trying to come up with an analogy, and all I can come up with was just like some really shitty guns. <laughs> just uh, just just imagine that uh, that, that Eisenhart got dunked on real hard at Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> you know, you know what this podcast has been missing is antique roadshow references. <laughs> Some people are really unhappy with how unfocused these oh. these, these episodes are. Um, oh well. <laughs> yeah, but, to those to those people, uh, I guess I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm. I am not going to be part of the solution. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. I, I, I wish we could make you happy, but shrug. Um, um, yeah. yeah, Roland. Roland is like. I remember that he's he's kind of talking shit about these guns, but he's more concerned with, uh, you know, 
Susanna being demon pregnant. Yeah, uh, with the incipient demon that is inside uh, one of his best friends and somebody, uh, uh, you know, not not more importantly, but as importantly, uh, a person who, you know, he's going to be relying on has a, has a little demon baby inside of her. She's got the chap, right? Um, yeah, and I, that the 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 word chap is is just totally bringing me back to uh rose matter uh-huh was it rose matter i, I can't i can't remember there it was i think it might have been it might have been more recent than rose matter when yeah, uh when, well, when we started chapping out when we started chapping them lips oh uh, what was it uh it's gonna drive me nuts i don't remember no the last non tower book that that i talked about yeah, he he was um uh no, it was nineteen twenty two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the uh, for the bonus of episode course. for Duck Bundle Two. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. If you don't if you don't have uh Duck Bundle Two, you should pick it up. Yeah. Um the the episode on nineteen twenty two. I'd say it was fun, but it was horrifying. <laughs> um but I, I, I had I had a really a really good time recording it and, and the rest of the the rest of the content in there is terrific and uh you should definitely pick it up because it also goes to help some people who could use some help yeah and i i don't in this particular instance mean gary and cole right <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. No, there's um in 1922 there's a there, there's a couple of pretty tenuous ties to the dark tower universe but one of them is that they refer to uh a baby as a chap yeah and uh but- if you've if you've read the dark tower books that that terminology really just kind of gets to you yeah it'll it'll stick out you know because (laughs) i mean spoilers for later this episode uh, that first scene in the banquet slash swamp um is not the only time that the chap and mia and Susanna are wrapped up in some very uh let's just say profoundly viscerally nauseating imagery yeah chap uh when i see that out in the world um just elsewhere uh, it it sticks out uh, even more so than when uh, well, not even more so, but uh, but as much as when uh, Stephen King uses it else, uh, elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's you know he's he, he's really worried about this, and also he is hoping that Jake does not break his leg by jumping out of the hayloft with his with his uh, with his good old friend uh, Benny. Yeah, which goes back to uh, again, I, I I I don't mean to just you know keep echoing autumn greer but you know she's very smart and very funny and Mm -hmm. uh the last episode that you guys did is uh one of my maybe one of my favorites from from this entire series oh nice um (laughs) it's it's just a lot of fun because there's so much ridiculous shit going on (laughs) uh but but yeah roland roland is still dadding out super hard over jake and it's (laughs) really funny and uh, just just having these like, you know, it, it, it's really interesting how how we see this like very cold, calm, collected gunslinger version of Jake. But then you put him in the right context and he's a kid. And yeah. that kind of serves to remind you that he's always been a kid. Yes. He just it, hasn't been. <laughs> He hasn't been allowed to be a kid. He hasn't been able to be a kid. And so just having Jake and like I don't know, some or Benny, like some fucking kid. Yeah. Like 
palling around, jumping off the hayloft. Like it's, and it's kind of in the background. So it's just, it, it's, it's, it's really nice, uh, like very subtle character development and, and, uh, contextualizing, I guess. Yeah. And that's the, the, that's one of the things that really sticks out and makes me, uh, uh, well, let's see here counts in this book's favor, which is, it really is the first time we've seen outside of river crossing. We've seen the cotet settle down in some kind of civilization, right? They actually have, they actually have room to be, to be humans and not just killing machines. Right. Uh, you know, it, it is not just the demands of the road being placed on them over and over again. So, I mean, it's not just this, but like, you know, in the next chapter, we have we have Eddie like looking around and realizing like, holy shit, I want kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because he realizes um, this is the only place in all of Midworld where, where he has seen happy and healthy children is like, oh, it's not the it's not the cabins or the hearths or whatever that make this place feel homey. It's, you know, it's the kids. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it is good to see them in a different context, you know, and it, there, there there's a there, there's a bittersweetness to that because we know that they are in the on the cusp of both fast movement and impending doom. Being being on the cusp of impending doom is just kind of par for the course a little bit. Yeah. One of the things I like about this series is just the the variety of ways in which these characters who are essentially cold-blooded killers slash Arthurian knights <laughs> uh, are, are humanized. Yeah. And so, you know, like, yeah, Eddie, Eddie realizing that kids change a place. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I feel like we're constantly getting new dimensions to these characters and uh, it's, it's so frustrating when we do come across a character who seems very two dimensional, because I know that even just confined to the dark tower specifically, Stephen King is so much better than that. Yes. And especially if you look at his work as a whole, mm. like he's, he's so good at character development. Yeah. Almost. Or I, I would, I would almost argue that character development is his greatest strength, even more than, than atmosphere or horror or, um, and, and anything that he's generally known for, like all of that he's great at, but it hinges on characters. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and something that we get by going to the Kala is we do get, um, you know, a wider, a wider expanse to let them to let them develop. Like initially we think the Eisenhearts are going to be just as bad as any of the others in the town who are against uh, standing against the wolves, right? You know, like we have Overholzer, the big, you know, the big man on campus uh, who is more interested in protecting his farm or his ranch um, than actually, you know, upsetting the status quo and saving people's lives. Um, however, like just over this over this chapter, uh, we get a really good picture of the Eisenhearts as like decent people who have a complicated situation going on. You know, yeah. So, so like right now they're, you know, like as it stands specifically, um, the male Eisenhart, whose first name I forget, um, is still against fighting, but, um, Roland is like, yeah, you know, we can, we can see eye to eye. You're like, you're not a dick. You're, you're reasonable. Yeah. Like there's, there's definitely some like, for lack of a better term, there's a little bit of dick measuring 
it seems like a bit yeah I, like you, you've got these two and like i mean obviously the older eisenhart is old but you know we found out recently that roland has been <laughs> he's been for what a thousand years yeah yeah more roland's than... roland's old as fuck <laughs> yep. so you got these two old guys <laughs> trying to like out old guy each other basically <laughs> yep. and like it's not super overt like it's 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 not something where it's like that's what the scene revolves around but there's a little bit of that going on which yeah. i really really enjoy yeah there's a little there's a little bit of dancing into each other's reach right yeah 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 and and i i like how they're they're doing that and kind of based on the fact that they're both playing the same game there's some mutual respect that builds up <laughs> well especially when uh when uh, uh what's his name when eisenhart finds himself slipping a little bit and yeah <laughs> kind of admitting admitting that he's the, 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 that he sees that he sees a reason that he feels a reason to go you know to to, to, to go for it he, he he slides back into safety right yeah you know Ro yeah. roland is playing castles all the time really yeah that's um <laughs> that's a fair statement i'd say yeah. <laughs> but uh margaret eisenhart uh the, the 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 wife the matron of the family uh d you know decides to break up to break up their little pissing contest um by joining them and she has something that she wants to share uh she is firmly of the belief that they should stand and fight uh, and they have an alternative to the crossbows uh, she heard Rowan kind of uh, bemoaning the fact that, uh, yeah, crossbows, man, I really wish it was regular bows uh, because crossbows can't hit shit. And so Margaret uh, decides to share the story of Lady Ariza. Um, the, uh, some, some places regard her as a goddess, others as just a mythical, uh, mythical kind of figure. Um, she also is kind of associated with a Kamala dance that, uh, that Roland did before. She's the Lady of Rice, and she is the one who murdered Grey Dick. Yeah. Uh, real quick, funny aside, uh, talking about the Lady of Rice. Um, I, I've mentioned multiple times. I, I my, my introduction to this was through my my dad's paperbacks, mm -hmm. and in his copy of Wolves of the Kala, um, there was an like a like a, a smudge, like a printing error. The first time that her name came up. Okay. And so it looked like her name was Lady Orzo. <laughs> and I have to this day not been able to get that out of my head. First impressions. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, uh, Lady Orzo, the rice witch. <laughs> <laughs> Going around cutting off heads all about the land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, but I love this story. It's just like a oh, it's a, so good. It's a, it's got a little bit of uh, like a, a little bit of like biblical Judith built into it. Uh, yeah, to, to, to an extent. This is this is one of those. Um, in I, I'm oh, I'm gonna hate myself for making a Tarantino reference, but I'm gonna make a Tarantino reference. Um, at, at the beginning of Kill Bill Part One, mm -hmm. when they they just have the slide that. That, that shows the revenge is a dish best served cold mm -hmm. and cites it as a old Klingon proverb. <laughs> That's kind of what I see leading up to the story of, uh, 
Lady Ariza and Grey Dick. <laughs> I mean, like, so it, it definitely smacks of another of another story that you would uh, that, that you would have heard about, right? Like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, you know, I re- referenced uh, what was it? Was it Judith who beheaded Holofernes? I forget. I am the wrong dude to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my my biblical lore is, uh, I would say, weak at best. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it has a decidedly uh, mid-world kind of twist. Like her servant uh, is actually like uh, like Maid Marion uh, as mm-hmm. well. I, I, I caught that little detail, and she herself went on and had her own uh, had her own adventures. Um, again, just for those little like, wait a minute, they're like just things are mixed and matched in weird weird ways. Yeah, it's I I. That's another thing that I love. Like I'm, I'm a total, total geek for for just story structure and and uh, I can't even think of a term like literary literacy. I guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And and just the way Stephen King is is one of those authors who who just like you can tell he has read an unfathomable amount. Yeah and and when he decides to tell a story when he decides to tell a a fable or 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 anything like that he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows how to how to kind of just make make these little little references that that tie into things that you might recognize and keep you hooked and it's i i i love the story of lady ariza and gray dick it's (laughs) it's one of my favorite parts of I was going to say it's one of my favorite parts of the Dark Tower, but it's really it's one of my favorite examples of Stephen King having fun with stories. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the wind through the keyhole is that writ large, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a masterclass in taking a, you know a semi-Arthurian thing, mixing it with his own with his <laughs> with his own fiction, and getting a synthesis out of it. Yeah. Um, so the particulars here, Lady Ariza, you know, the daughter of a of a great lord in her land, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, her father, uh, the lord, is killed by this brigand, this infamous, you know, horrible man named Grey Dick. You know, just a, just a real <laughs> because, because how can you be anything but a horrible man with a name like that? <laughs> um, I just it, it's not really a you know who knows <laughs> who knows what kind of situation he has. Uh, yeah. it, uh, one imagine it is not a truly appropriate name until the very end. Um, so Grey Dick kills her father, and she is nursing this grudge over it um, until one day she invites Grey Dick over for a banquet, and he says, "Well, um, you're going to poison me." It's like, "Well, you you, you guys can make the food. Uh, well, you're going to have weapons around. I'll, you know, it will." I'll, you know you'll kill me with those you can have your servants search the dining room um uh well okay but you'll just hide a dagger up your sleeve and kill me with that well guess what we're both going to be naked (laughs) so you know and so great dick thinking about that he's like ah yes um i i'm excited about my penis getting hard over that um, Wait, so I, I have a I have a, a, a question because I, I have every time I read this, I, I'm not totally clear. <laughs> is is the banquet just the two of them? Yes, it is going to be just the two of them. OK, because that's that's is, is it explicitly stated or is it just heavily implied? 
at, at one point she says it will just be you and me will be sitting across the table 30 feet apart from each other it is literally i just i just want your company so we can sit and eat and talk and i will be so far away that i might have going to be able to hurt you with my bare hands okay i i guess like Every time I read this, I, I have a different read on it because banquet to me seems like seems like the events. Both of, yeah, they, both of both of them bring their entourage, and each of them are at either end of the table. And it's like, oh, it's just going to be you and me, and then parenthetically, and the people that we decide to have with us. Yeah. Um. No. So I I wasn't I wasn't sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and trust your interpretation and we'll uh we'll, we'll call that canon and move on <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, mostly because that 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 version is way more amusing <laughs> it's like hey you know well i'll, I'll get you alone and yeah, no, 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 everything everything will be a-okay no weapons we'll just we'll just see yeah. what happens both of us eating some food naked um yeah and... it'll be it'll be just like a robin thick song <laughs> so <laughs> They're there, and he's he's drinking her dad's wine, and that makes her just so incredibly angry. But she has, um, I was about to say, an but ace, she, it, but she served it. Uh, yeah, she 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 did, but you know she's she's got to she's got to keep the ruse going. She's got a yeah. um she she's got a uh, uh an ace up her sleeve, a sleeve that she is not wearing, uh, which is the fact that over the past few weeks she has taken a plate and she has sharpened the edge of it. And, hey, yeah. Hey, is it is it by any chance a blue plate? Uh yes. Well, one might even you... say it is a for special plate. Interesting. Yeah. Echoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that actually should not be surprising. <laughs> no, no, coincidence at, is canceled. At, at all to anyone at this point. <laughs> coincidence is coincidence canceled. is canceled, yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah so she takes the sharpened plate and uh she throws it like one of xena the warrior princess's chakrams yeah. um uh, she she hurls this uh it decapitates gray dick uh, it doesn't just you know cut, cut cut his head off you know like 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 odd job style no it carries his head all the way into the foyer and it bounces off of the wall yeah as plates are wont to do yeah um, you know, she, she throws it and with that throw, she kind of cemented herself as, you know, a great defender, right? You know, she, she, she takes her glass of wine and toasts the body and issues a cursed, may your, and issues a curse, may your first day in hell last 10,000 years and may it be the shortest. <laughs> Which is, I mean, like, that's up there with just best, best toasts to give. <laughs> it's pretty good that's up there with like here's to you and here's to me and if we should ever disagree fuck you here's to me or however it goes <laughs> it's like that yeah but but on some next level shit yes uh i filed away i've got two kinds of toast i've got uh, two books of toast one for weddings and one for one for, vill for uh, villains <laughs> <laughs> yes i cole i have to ask yeah how many villains do you encounter in your day-to-day -day life as a podcaster in Cincinnati? Um, none right now. <laughs> how, how, however, guess guess who <laughs> you're laughing now. Guess who's going to get the last laugh when he comes across one, and he knows exactly what kind of bon mot to lay out over a, uh, over over a Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> oh God, that's I. 
I can't even say you're wrong. And now I kind of need, I feel like I need to find at least a couple of toasts to have in my pocket just yeah. in case. Yeah. Fuck, I, I started out joking and now you've got me. Yeah. Well, I, so, so the last thing you want to, the, the last thing you want to do if, you know, people are banging their, banging their glasses uh, with their silverware and saying speech, speech, speech. Last thing you want to do is get up there and start rambling like I'm doing just now. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you got to walk in the room knowing, knowing how you're going to close. You don't open your mouth lest you know the shot, as they say in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. No, just a, just a little bit of life hack. Yeah. If um, real quick, I just want to take a second to uh, to plug the Duckfeed Patreon. If you pledge at I forget the level, <laughs> uh, but there's a certain level where if you if you pledge at that level, uh, you will get life coaching lessons from Cole Ross. <laughs> see, see, here's my problem. I'm giving these, uh, I'm giving these nuggets away for free here on the show. Cole's Cole's life coaching series is called "Just in Case." Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't hurt. <laughs> and it's it's really weird that Shrug is part of it. Uh, so Margaret wasn't telling that story just to give me an opportunity to pitch my life coaching uh, business. Uh, she was telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> she was telling the story uh, to kind of uh, show off one of her uh, most beloved toys. And in fact, it is a it is a great secret uh, here in Calibre and Sturgis and in all, you know, a lot of the Calas up and down the Crescent. Um <laughs> she has a special blue plate that she produces, but not before. Uh, a, a what? A what kind of blue plate? A a, a four special blue plate. Okay, so I've got Thank the lobster jar, and I've got <laughs> the special jar. So <laughs> why don't we? We can probably just mash them together and have it be the special lobster jar. Oh yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you, you see the? But the thing is, I don't want any lobster to think they're not special. But I digress yeah so she has this four special plate and she also has a good reason to use it um you know she's she's crying and she says hey you know what uh the price of safety for this town is you know is half right they come and they say they, they, they take one of every two well our family you know our kids were born at a particular time kind of in between these uh the, the, these attacks by the wolves they grew up they didn't want their children to suffer the same fate and be taken by the wolves. So all of our kids moved away because they didn't want to live with this sword hanging over them with, 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 with this light stick hanging over them. So guess what? We lost all of our children. Um, and so we need to stand and fight. That is our, that is our reason why. And this perspective, go ahead. This is the first time that I've read this book since, uh, since I had my own kid. Mm-hmm. And I think every other time I read it, I just kind of took took that part in stride. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like it's very sad. They they sent all of their children away so that they wouldn't be taken by the wolves. Like, mm -hmm. that makes sense. It's very sad, but it makes sense. And now I, I have a kid. And all I can think is fucking move. <laughs> You can send them away. Go there. <laughs> Wherever they're going, just go to there. What are you doing? I thought you were going in a, in a far different direction than you ultimately went. I thought you were going to say, oh, since I have my own kid, it, 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 it hits. It just it hits home for me. Just uh, the, the, uh... I mean, it it does. But in like an 
like an angry sort of way like no like so the, the 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 sense that i got from reading it and then listening to it here here recently it wasn't that she sent them away it was that they moved away on their own was what, what was that they you know they, they grew up have their own kids and said uh sorry i i got i I'm, i gotta get out and they were just locked here by the land they had and the fact that they were just kind of kind of set and settled yeah i i guess that i'm not i i wasn't um what's the word thinking super great <laughs> i was i was mostly just reacting to that 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 whole plot point mm-hmm. but uh i i think my point stands where like yeah. if once the first kid has kids and is like we're gonna move just be like cool where are we going you need a babysitter yeah yeah like you know you you guys want to get a duplex <laughs> like it's 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 easy but i think this happens i think this happens up and down the crescent and in one direction is thunderclap where literally where the land is literally poisonous and will infect you uh and in the other direction is you know all of the ruin the left as the world has moved on yeah yeah like like, like they're just on this slash of you know fertile arable land that has you know that, that basically can support life and civilization i mean like, i we, guess I, I guess, but like to to coin a phrase, just ease on down the road. <laughs> that's 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 my reaction as as a father. <laughs> um, so she um, she tells this this highly avoidable sob story, <laughs> um, and then she shows Roland that she has a blue plate, like the one that uh, Lady uh, Lady Orzo threw. Mm-hmm. Um, even though hers is made of adamantium, it's made vibranium. of vibranium. It's made of titanium, um, and yeah. like the, like there's just a machine that spits them out. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, uh, and the ladies, and the, and there's there's a this is this is one of my favorite bombshells in the entire series. Uh, it's that the women have a secret society where they learn to fucking throw murder discus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, Which, what the fuck? Why is that not a more common plot point? That's fucking great. It's it it, it is fantastic. Like and yeah. and so like Roland is delighted to hear this. Not just because yeah. his main squeeze is the best, you know, like the the best at throwing these. You know, uh, right. R- R- Rosa Rosalita right. is you know all, all all pro at this. Um yeah. But just kind of like, oh, this this changes everything. Why am I yeah. looking at this shitty nickel plated barrel shooter when we have? Yeah, and- and and she shows like like she puts uh, a potato on the top of a, a scarecrow's head. No, no, it's it's not the potato. She so she she walks to you know fifty yards away from a scarecrow, got a sharp root on the top of it, which you know I I, I take as a bigger a bigger vegetable than a potato. And Roland's like, uh, uh-uh, how about this? Puts the potato on. It gives the effect of a of like a shrunken head on it. Like, hey, at fifty yards, can you hit uh can you hit a potato with a frisbee? She shouts, Ariza throws it it cut it cuts the potato in half and it gets stuck in the barn door yeah i was i'm sorry i was uh i was just reading the show notes and and got excited <laughs> yeah. yeah she she puts uh yeah let's i i, I feel like a, a sharp root is probably like a celeriac like a celery root maybe i i, if, I, I if, picture like a squash a, or something like that yeah. if, a, if a celeriac is not a celery root please don't tweet at me <laughs> I'll find out eventually on my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, 
he replaces it with uh, with a potato and uh, she fucking pins it to a barn door, which is just fucking badass. But yeah. then she gets sad. Yeah, she like, like she gets sad, you know, just the you know be, the, the 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 pressure of doing this. Yeah, you know, was it, it was a lot for her, especially also knowing what it means that like, hey, now you know, like <laughs> now now he knows we can do this, and that means we're gonna have to step up and do it. Additionally, um, she also kind of deduces <laughs> that Roland understands that she's one of the many. Yeah, um, you know, she left the tribe to marry Eisenhart and. You know, she wants to know what Roland plans to do with Henchik's cave because she saw that Roland was talking with Henchik. And Roland, of course, is evasive. He says, oh, we'll do whatever Ka tells us to do. He's like, ah, yeah, that's what every troublemaking kid says. Ka, Ka, Ka. Yeah, which which kind of echoes back to Eddie's uh, Ka, Ka. <laughs> which which I've always I've always kind of enjoyed because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, du- duty jokes. Oh, of course. But yeah, you know, so this changes everything. In a few days, they're going to yeah. hold a competition to find the best throwers. Going to have a good, have a good old, good old toss off. Um, oh yeah, no, they're, they're... <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> just a good old fashioned toss off. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, like like Roland Roland talks pointedly to Andy. You know, he, like, he talks pointedly with them about Andy. Or, or, yeah, that, that's what I meant. That's, yeah. Like Roland, Roland talks pointedly to the town folk about Andy. Yeah. Uh, to get more information. He understands um, every robot is built with a purpose, but Andy's Order 19 doesn't really fit with that. Yeah. If Andy is from, you know, many and many a back um, and the wolves, as far as anybody knows, have only been coming around, you know, for the past you know, several hundred years, let's say the past, you know, several generations. Um, Why would Andy know about the wolves? Why would he have insight into, into (laughs) where they're coming and when? Um, And so like this doesn't add up and he leaves them with a fake plan, you know, as he's looking at the, at the drawn map that the kids made for him, like, Hey, um, we're going to use the kids as bait. We'll put them in this dead end Canyon echoing the plan from uh from wizard and, wizard and glass right uh, with, with, with the thinny um and you know the eisenhower's like well wait a minute what the fuck that's heartless that's not the actual plan roland knows it's going to leak out uh but he's taking inventory and he thinks well there's nobody i can really share the real plan with because jake is going to tell his best friend and that'll get out to the town people uh, if I tell it to Eddie, he'll get it to Susanna. And if Susanna knows, then Mia knows. Right. Like, this spells trouble because ever since the Wastelands, they have been a tight-knit group of people who have shared thoughts like they share water. Yeah. And 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 I... Th- this is one of those instances where, like... Jake is a gunslinger, but he's also a child. Right. But he's also a gunslinger. So <laughs> where does he fall? Right. Well, on this and, um... and and Roland Roland is making the hard call on that. And and with with Eddie, he knows he can trust Eddie, but he also knows that Eddie absolutely will trust Susanna no matter what. Right. Husband and wife. Which which is 
totally reasonable, but <laughs> it's an extenuating yeah, circumstance. Yeah, and 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 so like it's it Roland is in in in, in a weird way. Roland is kind of uncomfortably forced into old patterns. Yeah. No, he like just, uh, it even, it even says like, Oh, he's like, he's on his own again. And that yeah. is very uncomfortable, you know, yeah. in the... because he's, he, he was so used to being on his own and now he's gotten used to having a cotet. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now he, he can't tell them. What 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 this call what this calls to mind is um, back in Lud, right? When they were you know physically separated, each kind of uh, undergoing their own peril, but they were still able to reach out and contact and rely on each other. Here, you know, they're in their own kind of different. Um, they're, they're in their own. They're, it's like a, it's a familial Lud, right? It's a social Lud. Um, where they're in, uh, you know, just as much, if not more danger, not as immediate, but still very pressing. And they are separated far more now than they were then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this, the, the, this gets called to a head, I believe in the next section in telling tales part three, like Jake finds out, well, you know, Jake finds out at the end of this section, what's going on and he doesn't appreciate <laughs> what's what's happening and like of all the people it's going to be it's going to be jake who forces the issue yeah and and honestly of all the people jake is the one that roland has already literally let die yeah so i feel like he's the one who absolutely has the right to force the issue <laughs> yep <laughs> okay I know you might not appreciate me uh, second guessing your judgment, but yeah, I've 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 paid for it. Um, there, there there's a certain debt here that both of us both of us still get flashes of remembering. You know, yeah. Uh, so this yeah. takes us into the next chapter here, Grandpa's Tale, um, where we uh, focus on Eddie and Susanna for a while. They're over at the Jaffords. Remember, Tion uh, Jafford is the one who initially made the made the call to uh bring the gunslingers in and fight against the wolves and eddie this is where he starts noticing the kids around and he notices notices how how homey it feels and as kind of like a dark counterpart to that he really gets his first experience with the runes kids with the you know specifically with the jaffords who have come back roots it's it it's another one of those instances where it, it's 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 you you see how good Stephen King is at character development and using that to build a world and you've you've got these characters that you know a little bit about and he uses the little bit that you know to just fucking gut you basically yeah it's a it, and you know it, it is it is a very sharp it is a very sharp wedge that uh, kind of. <laughs> that I think separates Eddie from any kind of inherent complacency that he, that, that he might have. Yeah. You know, um, any, any, any kind of self-interest that he might have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of a turning point for Eddie because he's, I, I, I mean, like, obviously Eddie was very much driven by self-interest previously. Mm-hmm. And and he's obviously overcome a lot of that, but I, I I kind of have always felt like this is kind of 
this is where Henry Dean's brother finally stops being part of Eddie Dean's identity. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And there, you know, there, there are a bunch of different factors for that. I mean, just the fact that yeah. he like, like the, like this is literally him, you know, getting a glimpse of what settling down might, might even hypothetically look like, you know, yeah. after going yeah. from the, from being a junkie mule to being a, being a wandering killer. Like he understands, you know, what the, what, what the appeal of family is now. Yeah. He has one. It's, I, I don't know. I, Eddie Eddie Dean is one of my favorite characters in all of fiction because mm-hmm. he's so fucking well developed. Yeah. Um and it's hard to do that with a character who is kind of a stand-in for um you know, for, for 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 the reader, for the viewer, right? You know, like just to add, yeah. to 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 exist as a surrogate but also have a you know a definite point of view of his own. You know, that like that, that that's a difficult balance to strike. Yeah. And we also get a little bit of that uh, distinct point of view when he is talking with uh, with Tian, right? Uh, out at old son of a bitch, that feel from the very beginning of the book uh, where Tian is saying, ah, yes, we're going to plant madrigal. Nothing will grow here, but this is going to be a cash crop, I assure you. Um, and Eddie notices he's got the same look in his eye that Henry did whenever he said, we're going to get the good China white stuff this time. He's a He's a junkie for trying to get something to grow in this plot. And this yep. is kind of one of the first times that we've seen that like, oh, the person that we're trusting to tell us or as as our entry into um, <laughs> into uh, trying to defend this land is very, very invested in trying to save something that isn't that <laughs> that isn't tenable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like and ultimately that, that that doesn't go anywhere. Really, this the, this particular scene is to set up two things. First off, Eddie is uh, taken aback by the fact that Tian is using his uh, his uh, ruined sister as a as as, as kind of plow livestock, um, and also uh, we learn that Andy is no good for doing manual labor to help. Like Eddie straight up proposes, like you guys could share him, you could share him, right? Just you know, put up a sign up sheet, make a schedule. Like, no, Andy will like. Go around and tell horoscopes and make sure kids don't get eaten by don't get eaten by rock cats, but that's about it. Yeah, even though he's a literal tireless automaton. Oh yeah, it's like he's nuclear powered. Yeah. Uh which you know, there's some something's up. <laughs> yeah. And well like I think I'm it... no I'm no gunslinger. <laughs> But something's fucking shady here. Yeah, yeah. I just I just got a couple of questions to ask, and I'll I'll get out of your hair. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, like in addition, I think uh, I think Tian says, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of strange because like he, he will he he is fast and strong, and he will destroy something that threatens him. Oh like, yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, like it's it's not a question of ability. No, no, he he doesn't get his arms ripped off by Chewbacca. He rips off Chewbacca's arms. Yeah, yeah. See, he does. He doesn't just have the sanctimonious voice. The I know something you don't. He's got he's got a real ability to, to back it up by fucking people up. Yeah, um, which I mean, you know, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> um. So we also learn that Tian is resentful of grandpa um his uh, what is it 
it is his grandpa, you know, who many, many years ago, like they don't even know how many wolves back it was. Um, the one who saw the dead wolf. And that's really part of why Eddie is here is to hear the story, right? To hear Jamie yeah. Jafford's story. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the, uh, the introduction of the, of the phrase Trum? I mean, it's, I can't think of a better word for what King is trying to get across. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. Because it's, it's not, it's, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so the idea it is, that is the sound that's in your head. <laughs> when you are fucking wasted <laughs> and you have an idea and you know it's bad. Yeah, but, but, but you, you, you want to go for it. And you, and you need help. And you bring it up and you're so into it that people around you who should know better are <laughs> also into it. <laughs> and that's how my roommate broke his hand punching a... Oh, children's horse ride at a Walmart in college. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, that's how we stole a keg from a uh, from a frat party by by, yeah. by moving it a couple of inches at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that's even better. No, it's just my 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 roommate uh, Josh in college. Like he had Trum. <laughs> I, I, that's I I. Ever the the last time I read this book and and also this time like I I can't not picture Josh. <laughs> he, it's I I feel like everybody knows at least one person who has it, mm -hmm. and if you don't, careful because it might be you. <laughs> yeah, you, you, and if you you've might be got making... it and you know it. More power to you, but if you've got it and you don't know it, that's dangerous. Yeah, certainly. You might you might get your best friend turned into stew. Um, we, we we should describe what this is. You know, Eddie asks uh, Tian, like, "Hey, do you do you believe? Do you believe your granddad about about having killed or having seen a dead wolf?" And he was like, "Yeah, you know, I, actually, I do. Like, I don't like him that much, but he's got Trum." Eddie's confused. He's like, "Oh, is he? You know, is, is that like gumption? Is that you know, like he's he's, he's he's got he's got spunk, something like that?" And I'm like, N "No." So like, picture somebody who 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 wants to do something foolhardy and stupid, and is really good at talking people into doing it. Uh, you're like you're Din, you know, Roland. He's got Trump, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's what it is. It's a, it's a good concept. I, I, I like it quite a bit. Absolutely. And I, I feel like it's, it's one of those concepts that I wish was, uh, more, more widely accepted or acknowledged <laughs> outside of this one paragraph because, because it's a useful term. Oh yeah. Like not, not even outside of this one paragraph outside of like Stephen King. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, if I just do it, if I do a search for Trump, you'll never guess who pops up and pollutes that namespace. So fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can, I can probably hazard a guess. <laughs> um, so they go and they jump some rope. Um, Stephen, Stephen Trump. 
<laughs> Stephen Trump. Oh, the guy who sells used Hyundai's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they go. They play some. Uh, they 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 do some uh, <laughs> rope skipping uh, with uh, with the Jaffords kids. They have some dinner uh, with with lots of taters, and they sit down to hear the story, starting with the detail. Um, and this is both told and written in a very thick accent. Uh, so it's very, I had to read it several times when I was making the notes, starting with the detail that Jamie, he didn't kill. You know, like he's, he's not the one who killed the, uh, who killed the wolf. You know, like he may have said in the past, you know, just when he was, when he was drinking and playing the, playing the story up, like, yeah, I was when it, no, no, he, he wasn't. It was a, it was a, a fierce redheaded woman named Molly who did it, you know, who knows? And who doesn't? Who doesn't know a fierce redheaded woman named Molly? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I know a Molly. Weird. <laughs> so the story goes. That's, that what, is weird. Yeah. <laughs> you. Uh, you. You probably should find one. So so uh, uh, grandpare Jamie Jaffords. The, the story goes as such, right? Uh, the wolves came and they split into three groups. The kids were being kept in the basement of the store, uh, run by the Tooks, by the Took family, right? Um, and so the wolves burned the store to the ground with their light sticks that create a fire that is only fed by water. Again, we're getting these, we're being fed these details, right? Uh, Jamie, sensing that there was nothing to lose and overflowing with Trum, um, said, well, let's gather up four or five people. We need to hit them back because this is unacceptable. Uh, they confront some of the wolves with their gray armor and their green cloaks, and the wolves deploy their sneeches. Remember, we heard about these drones that seek people out. Uh, horrifyingly, hey, Evan, what do you think of the line uh, where it turned one of uh, one of Jamie's friends into stew within his clothes? Um, no joke. That is one of the most upsetting, like... <laughs> I, I, for for some reason, every time I read this book, that is one of the most upsetting passages in any Stephen King book. <laughs> and like, I'm including Rose Matter. I'm including 1922. I'm including <laughs> any of the ones uh, that made us uncomfortable. I'm including the uh, the eye scene in Dreamcatcher. <laughs> I'm including it. Like the idea of being turned into stew within your clothes. I don't maybe it's just me, but like, fuck. Yeah, we're we're not talking about being turned into Stewart. Like you know, you're not being turned into one third of the flop house. No, you're not being turned into a an unfortunate mad TV character. <laughs> right? No, you 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 you're being hit by a golden snitch and uh, being be, being liquefied. It's like uh, uh something in uh like old like old D and D. There was the there's something called the uh, the chunky salsa rule. Um, it might've been Gary Gygax who said this, like, yeah, if something happens to a character that would reduce their body to something approaching the consistency of chunky salsa, like you don't have to roll to see how many hit points the they would have taken in damage. Like they're, they're just dead. Right. That's yeah. Like a little bit approaches some of that, but Stu definitely brings a little bit of the, uh, brings a little bit more of the fat into the equation. I think. Oh, I, I don't like God the idea of I don't like the idea of uh, my, my my connective tissues being being rendered into a form of gravy, um, <laughs> but it will happen one day. Uh, yeah. So Molly, pissed off, rears back, nails one of them uh, uh, on the head at the point where its mask meets its hood. 
Uh, and as she's reaching for another plate to fire off another one, she loses her arm. And in fact, she dies reaching for <laughs> reaching with her one remaining arm for the plate that is in the arm that was cut off. Man, Which I want Molly's story. I was going to say, let's let's just take a second to acknowledge how Molly is one of the most badass characters in this whole series. <laughs> she doesn't miss a step. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and Jamie is only able to uh, like he, like he hides from the Sneech, but it keeps hunting him down. In a very tense scene, he's only able to save himself by using his crossbow um, as a kind of bat to knock it away. All right, I guess. I mean, like, I mean, the, the, distant the, second place. The the woman already did it better. She, oh yeah, <laughs> saved how many lives as opposed to just, to, to just your own? Yeah, Jamie, you're a disappointment. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie does his best. <laughs> he tries. He he makes an attempt, and we get uh, we get the money shot. However, it is thoroughly denied from us. So we get the description. You know, this uh, the, the 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 body is on the ground, and acrid and foul smoke is rising from it. He bends down to lift the mask, and Eddie is shocked. But he says, "Oh, it makes perfect sense. They can't be sure that all of the wolves are the same, but." The revelation is whispered into Eddie's ear, 19 words that we are going to, that we're going to get a little bit later. Uh, this, uh, the, the, the revelation is deferred. Although by the details that we have seen, you could probably guess, even if you're not aware, uh, as to what the true nature of these wolves are. Eddie's not surprised. And honestly, like once I found out the first time I was reading through these books, I wasn't either like it's, or Eddie, Hold on. Yeah. Strike strike all of that. I misread your notes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um Eddie Eddie is surprised. I was not. Yeah. E- even I... the first time I read these books, like they they can't be sure all the wolves are the same. Oh, can't you? Like <laughs> This absolutely makes sense. Like if you've been paying attention up to this point. Yeah. All the horses are gray. Hmm. Yeah. So that's the end of that chapter. Taking us into the final chapter, a brief one here, uh, nocturne hunger, uh, which begins with Mia. Uh, she's in the castle, uh, but it's different this time. Instead of being lush and well-appointed, you know, instead of having a banquet, uh, uh, Instead of having a gigantic uh, table full of all kinds of food, it is desolate. It is empty. It's dark. The lights are burnt out. The food is rotten. Uh, you know, basically all that is there for her is dead spiders and spoiled wine. Um, Which, I mean, who's not into that? I mean, kind of kind of seems like the chap would be like down. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess there's a bit of an inversion um, I'm, because what's what's happening here is, you know, Mia could find everything that she needed out in the swamp to give to give the chap what you know what what he needed right uh however in civilization you're not going to find a lot of toads to squeeze and such so <laughs> that that sounds like a euphemism but I know it's not <laughs> it's, it's quite literal toad yeah. explode um <laughs> yeah so she searches desperately for something that will uh, put the chap back to sleep. She eventually goes into the derelict kitchen 
of the uh, of, of the castle where she finds a rat eating at something in the oven. She skewers it, laughs, <laughs> looks at it, laughs, and goes, <laughs> rat kebab. Uh, you know, in the middle of her, you know, speaking in many different voices uh, and just being completely unhinged, throws the rat into the sink and then just starts chowing down on a roasted pig that, upon second inspection, kind of looks like a roasted baby. But that doesn't stop her. Yeah. Um, you know, as <laughs> as you do. Yeah. But it but it gives uh it, it, it gives her the, the 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 folic acid and the prenatal vitamins and the and the TLC that she yeah. uh, that she, you know that that uh, that her growing baby demon desperately needs. Yeah, and I've been I've been rewatching the first season of Glee. And, uh, <laughs> I want to hear the I want to hear hear how you bridge this. What I what I have learned about I mean I guess technically about teenage pregnancy probably applies to all pregnancy of course is that folic acid is important i mean if there's one thing that i know i mean <laughs> jane lynch told me so yeah pretty much everything else is autopilot um yeah so one detail that is different about this aside from the fact that um you know this is uh <laughs> i was about to make a Mega Man x comparison that like this is this is what happens after uh what is it, storm eagle's plane crashes into castle discordia uh, but that is a joke for nobody. Um, this, you know, despite the fact, <laughs> okay, there, there are many things that are different about this. Chief of which is the fact that Jake is here. He is not just following Susanna as she goes into the barn and feasts. He's actually in the dream. Like he has gone Todash or whatever her version of Todash is, uh, with her. Um, and also Mia looks and notices and Jake notices too, that Mia is wearing, um, a, a t-shirt. Uh, that advertises the Dixie Pig, the best ribs in New York. Yeah. At Lexington Avenue and 61st Street. Yeah. Any anybody anybody who lives in New York, please please go to the Dixie Pig, confirm the quality of their rig. Their <laughs> rigs? Ribs. Yeah. Yeah, of of their rigs and their ribs. I'm sure I'm sure their, that the, the ribs arrive on some kind rigs, of truck. The barbecue rigs and the ribs that come out of them. <laughs> Tweet Tweet your reviews to at Brayton JC. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so I'm actually, uh, you know, I need to just go and take a look and see what is at these places that King is, uh, that King is calling out. Cause I, I can picture like what Lexan 61st is, but like not specifically. Um, yeah, I have, um, I have never been to New York. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hopefully going this fall. Oh, yeah. Um the 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 Hold Steady is doing their their annual residency at Brooklyn Bowl and uh my girlfriend does does work for them. Mm -hmm. Um and, oh, so you have and, an in. Yeah, and uh so I'm I'm at least tentatively going this year, but yeah. um all of the information of those... I could give you is a decade out of date. So I just hope yeah. you have a good time. <laughs> I appreciate that. I um if you if you have not heard of the Hold Steady, you should check them out at patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. <laughs> um, yep, we'll, we'll set pledge, we'll set up a forward. You, It'll make things very pledge, inconvenient for us. If you pledge at least ten dollars a month, Cole Ross will tell you how to find Hold Steady albums on Spotify. Mm. You know, so that's a that is a value at half the price. It it absolutely is. They are no joke. One of my favorite bands of all time. Mm -hmm. 
free plug for the hold steady <laughs> on account of New York existing in the Dark Tower universe. Yeah. Um, so again, this is the second instance of the Dixie Pig that we have seen. Um, the first one is the new graffiti on the inside of the vacant lot where the rose is. Uh, no, the outside, I believe. The outside, the uh, the Oh Susanna Mio Divided Girl of Mine poem uh, that references that re- references the the Dixie Pig. Um, so Jake is watching from inside the dream. Eddie is watching IRL. Um, he managed to convince them after the first night uh, to convince the Jaffords to let them sleep in the barn uh, by giving them a line like, "Hey, we don't like sleeping indoors after what happened in Lud." Really, Eddie just wants to help uh, cover up uh Susanna's uh night jaunts as they were because uh you know it'd be a terrible thing to have to explain to this town that they're trying to win the trust of um yeah but yeah Eddie follows and you know watches Susanna like pick up a piglet and just start you know chowing down on that thing alive yeah which um, you know that's as speaking as a father that's a super <laughs> normal thing to see yeah, you know, just r- regular cravings, pickles, and then and then live writhing piglets. <laughs> um, I, I mean, Eddie, Eddie, you know, in addition to this, is very uh, uh, is very worried that uh, you know Mia, uh, being the wild card that she is, is you know worried that she's not going to stop at livestock. That you know, just like I, I will, I, I will only feel safe when I see that the kids are still alive the next day. Yeah. You know, do you, do yeah, because you... Eddie Eddie is very reasonably afraid that she might start going after children, twins, yeah, children. Um, and and it's yeah, you have no idea uh, what to uh, expect, uh, so expect the worst. Almost absurdly and very much unfortunately, like that's a a reasonable concern. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's at least worth uh uh entertaining the notion yeah because at this point nobody really understands who or what mia is really no no No, they've only roland roland has a rough idea and that's it yeah i mean their their best concept is that it is another personality that is the, the that has developed to hide the pregnancy from Susanna, and i mean really we don't have an awful lot of reason to believe to believe that that's not the case aside from the fact that when we get glimpses of Mia's kind of relationship to things from Susanna's world, uh, she is unfamiliar with it. Like when she is examining the t-shirt to see the Dixie pig logo, um, you know, she says like, uh, like Mia says, Oh, I need to make a note. This is what they call a T shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Which by itself doesn't, really give that much away about the nature of who or what Mia is. Right. Uh, it, so, it just gives a, it, it implies a different sort of provenance than, uh, than, you know, something like Detta, right. Which is very much, very much kind of a homegrown <laughs> within, yeah, within yeah, Susanna's that, psyche. Detta yeah. is very much a, uh, a quantifiable factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Jake, Jake wakes up, and uh, through Jake having um, the the shin, if you will, mm-hmm. um, he he kind of figures out that Eddie and Roland know about Mia, and they're keeping it from Susanna and also from him. Yeah, and and he kind of is able to intuit that that like the the, the quartet is 
is kind of splintering when the thing that they need the most is to be strong and to present a united front. Yeah. They, just, and they, they can't afford to fuck around and turn on each other. They, they, they can't afford to fuck around and turn on each other. But at the same time, we've already seen from Roland's perspective, how can they afford to share all of this information? Yeah. It's complicated, and you know, yeah. like, like, like that. The, this specifically calls call, calls to Jake's mind, like his his childhood growing up in New York. You know, with, yeah. with you know with with a family that didn't function at all. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's sad. He's he, he's sad for the loss. Yeah, because he 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 sees old patterns repeating themselves, and he isn't sure if he he isn't sure what to believe. Essentially, right. yeah. Um, and to throw tragedy on top of tragedy, uh, Oi pulls Jake out of his tent because he's out there camping with Benny. Um, Oi pulls him out to take a look at this unusual sight across the river uh, into uh, into Thunderclap. He sees Andy uh, speaking with somebody and sees them walking uh, into the wasteland, not the other wasteland, not the other wasteland that we saw way, way back, but, you know, Thunderclap itself. Yeah, the, the Thunderclap wasteland. <laughs> yes. Um, and There's a lot of wastelands in these so, books. So, yeah, <laughs> many, many wasted lands. Um, and <laughs> he recognized, okay, Andy, seven foot tall, uh, wire thin, not that hard to recognize him. However, he recognizes that it is Slightman. It's, you know, it's Benny Slightman's dad because he has glasses and he sees the moonlight glinting off of them. So not only um, is his family broken, he now knows that his new best friend's dad is up to something real suspicious and shady. And so, like, again, he is he is isolated. He is in danger because of this. And that is where we end this uh, particular episode. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed that you and Autumn already talked about all of the super adorable oi moments. <laughs> and this is this is kind of the like the the oi scene in this segment of of the book, but that's what I get, I guess. So, <laughs> well, I mean, like oh, like oi does something like he like he's a little bit uh he approaches him with recrimination. Like Oh, oi oi is beyond fucking reproach cole <laughs> oh i mean absolutely but like like you know oi is oi is unequivocally adorable but you guys you you guys got some some choice scenes to talk about and in this one it's just like <laughs> well or you know yeah, or, 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 hey, hey hey sorry sorry I, I got bad news but at least it's me bringing it <laughs> like, i mean i mean so oi is doing a definite service here oi saw oi saw something um is, and you know he 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 dragged the jake you know to 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 see this in the cutest possible way grabbing his hand and you know grabbing his hand in his mouth and, and pulling him along and you know in in his echo you know jake just says something like oh i don't i don't know and then oi echoes back no like a k n o w and Jake knows that <laughs> that uh, you know Oi isn't saying no. Jake knows that Oi is saying like yeah, like both of us know what what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Oi's on top of it. Yeah. And yeah, so that's uh, that's that. Any final thoughts on this particular section, Evan? No, honestly, like I I feel like we. I, I feel like you and you and Autumn kind of covered the whole lead up. Uh, 
way better than I could have. And I feel like we we kind of went over what happens in this section and what happens next. I don't I don't really want to get into because it happens next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where can people find you, Evan? I am on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Harder. Like I'm, I'm on other social network stuff too. Uh, there's not really anything in particular I'm promoting right now. Okay. Um, I guess I, I would just say that uh, if if you go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/DuckFeedTV and join the DuckFeed Slack, you can find me in there as Mr. Harder, and that's a good place. I like it. Yeah, uh, and you can find me at Cole Ross on Twitter. That's K O L E R O S S. Uh, you can find me on the other shows here on duckfeed.tv and, uh, I stream horror video games on the weekends at uh, twitch.tv slash duckfeed TV. It's a series called hex crank live. I, uh, I literally wore my hex crank shirt to work today. Um, hex crank, the, the horror blog was one of my favorite, uh, ideas on duckfeed.tv and the hex crank live video series has been consistently really enjoyable if you are an adult who enjoys watching horror games on youtube and doesn't just want someone to scream at you all the time (laughs) um i would actually really like to give a plug to cole's until dawn playthrough uh because it isn't really a horror game where someone is playing it and yelling a bunch while bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've got someone who is analyzing the story and, uh, and various implications and just kind of gleefully accepting that horrible things are going to happen to these despicable teens <laughs> they're gonna get what's coming to them yeah well, yeah and it's it is just wonderful <laughs> watch that if you like seeing me fuck please, up please please do also yeah it's it, it is not a great example of playing a video game <laughs> but it's a really really fun thing to watch and and i i cannot endorse it highly enough it's great i love hex crank i love duck feed cole you're great. Oh. Gary isn't here, but he's all right. Um, <laughs> cool. Duckfeed.tv. Just check it out. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I believe that is everything. We will be back in two weeks with uh, the remainder of the telling tales portion of this book. But until then, long days and pleasant nights. <laughs>